hello, listeners. Welcome back to the NBA Games of the Week podcast. My name is Kalen Osmond. I'm an amateur podcaster and all-around NBA fan, and this is a podcast where every Monday morning of the NBA season, I will highlight for you, the listeners, the NBA games you should look out for that week. If you'd like a little more information about the podcast or myself, go check out episode zero for a fun little introduction about the show. So four quarters as usual this week, starting with the first quarter, which is for the newer NBA fans, where we're going to break down one game, which is Kawhi's first trip back over the wall in the north to face off against the Rolling Raptors. And then we're going to move on to the second quarter, which is for the more veteran NBA fans, where we're going to break down two games, including a chemistry competition in the East between the Celtics and Pacers, and then on to Dallas, because yes, I'm going to recommend another Luka Doncic game. Next up will be the third quarter, which is for the crazier NBA fans, where we're going to break down one game, which is another battle of young cores between two three-point shooting specialists with unproven defenses. And then stick around for the fourth quarter to hear the two can't-miss games for this week of NBA action. And now for a quick break, well, we'll be back with the first quarter. Better job. So welcome back to the first quarter, where I'm going to detail the games for the introductory NBA fan. These are going to be the more media and storyline-focused games for those trying to get into the NBA. Starting off with game number one, which is the Los Angeles Clippers at the Toronto Raptors, which happens on Wednesday, December 11th at 4 Pacific or 7 Eastern Standard Time. So why did I pick this game? So the big reason is because I've been ignoring the Raptors so far this season. They kind of lack the star talent that would be intriguing specifically for quarter one games. But they've been very good this season. and have been top five in power rankings in multiple different outlets. So I was trying to pick a game to kind of get them included in the NBA Games Week podcast. So what better one to choose to start off with than Kawhi's first game back in Toronto? So beyond that media intrigue, another big reason for from a matchup perspective is that both teams are top 10 in offense, defense, and net rating. And actually for net rating, they're 4 and 5 with the Raptors being ahead. So extremely competitive matchup between two top teams, one in the East and one in the West. Now starting with the home team, coming into the season, the Raptors had huge questions about if their offense was going to struggle without the star talent of Kawhi Leonard. But actually the Raptors have had a sneaky good offense with the 7th in offensive rating. The big reason their offense has been that good is because of Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, who's actually turning out to be kind of a plus player. But then the main star of this whole thing has been Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is putting up career numbers with career best 25.1 points per game with his previous best being 16.9 points. His career best steals with 0.9, assists with 3.9, rebounds with 8.6. He's putting up career best free throw percentage with 81.3 and actually getting up the most free throw attempts per game with 4.8. And it doesn't stop there. He's actually putting up his career best in three-point attempts, field goal attempts, usage with 29.0, and his best plus minus ever with 12.3. So Pascal Siakam has very much taken up what Kawhi Leonard's dropped off once he left the Raptors. And outside of him, what I mentioned before, the Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Norma Powell lineups are perfect players to kind of to run that team-style offense that other teams like the Celtics, Pacers, and Spurs kind of run, where it's a lot of even usage players. But what the Raptors have that those other teams don't is that one focal star who's able to kind of take over the game if the team offense isn't working. 
But the Raptors' actual claim to fame this season is their defense, like most seasons, because they're actually fifth in, de- in defensive rating. It's easy to see why they're that good. It's because they have an insane defensive talent, a lot of long athletic guards. But beyond their staple players, they've actually picked up quite a few average players that have kind of built into specialists who have been given up by their former teams. The best example is Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, previously on the Nets, who so right now this season is shooting the highest field goal percentage of his career. And how they've really done that is they've taken away all of his three-point attempts and have severely cut his minutes. But that has transformed him into a huge plus player with plus 12.4, one of the highest on the team, where his previous career plus minus was plus 0.4. So he's kind of like the highlight for what the Raptors have done throughout the recent franchise success in creating homegrown stars. Now, on the other end of this matchup, a team that has done almost no home growing of their own stars is the Clip. We're soft with their fundamentals. They're 16 and 7, and they currently sit fourth in the Western Conference behind the Nuggets, Mavericks, and Lakers, and have dropped to 10th in offense but have stayed strong on the defensive end, being 7th in defense, and have actually just, at the time of recording, dropped out of the top 5 net rating and have now become 6th net rating behind the Raptors, Celtics, Lakers, Mavericks, and Milwaukee Bucks. So not a bad group of competition to drop behind. Now, I've picked a lot of games with the Clippers throughout this season, so there's nothing really else to say about the team. Except that they have been holding up extremely well with their very busy schedule, especially against the top teams, with PG and Kawhi Leonard being held out for a lot of them with their health. And I've gotten to those two superstars a lot. If you don't really know about them specifically, go watch some of their highlights for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And that can kind of give you everything you need to know, because they're both incredible stars, great on the defensive end, insane on the offensive end, can create their own shot, can dish it out as much as they want, and are incredible spot-up shooters. But if you want to watch something new on this team, I would recommend looking at Lou Williams and Tamontrace Harrell, specifically their pick and roll game and how strong they've actually been on the defensive end, where in previous years, their offense has always been their calling card. And a big reason you should watch them this season is with the attention that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard take up on opposing defenses, that has really given the chance to Lou Williams and Tamontrace Harrell to kind of shine. And if you look at Lou Williams specifically, he's posting almost the highest minutes of his career with 36.1, but still coming off the bench. And with that, he is posting some of his highest points per game totals with 21.1 and his highest rebounds per game, which is pretty interesting. Now we're going to go into kind of the matchup specifics about this game, where the really cool dynamic between the Clippers and the Raptors is the Raptors have, for some reason, are seen as a very small market. So what they've done, they built their team through homegrown young talent. So if you think of Kyle Larry became an all-star on the team. Fred Van Vliet went undrafted and grew up in their G League system. Same with Pascal Siakam. He can go undrafted, but grew up in the G League system. Players like Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson I talked about before, Norma Powell, so on and so forth, were against that as the Clippers, who have just built up their talent through trades and being a big market in L.A., where they're basically their top four players are Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Demontrez Harrell, and Lou Williams, and none of them they've got drafted by the Clippers. The second big thing in this matchup is defense is going to be a huge factor. The Raptors have a better defense overall, but you can never count out the powerhouse of the duo of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can do on a night-to-night basis. And what I talked about before in how much star talent the Clippers have compared to the Raptors is we can really point to exactly what the Clippers are doing well and why they are so good just on names alone. But if you look at the Raptors, the names on the sheet do not jump out to you. It's really you got to dive into the stats and really go into the eye test to figure that out. So that's another big part in this game. 
And the last thing is that they the two teams have played early on in the season. It was a very competitive matchup, but the Clippers didn't have Paul George. So as with most of the Clippers' early season games, this one is completely brand new. So again, this game is going down on Wednesday, December 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And it's one of those that you do not want to miss, especially if you're trying to get into the NBA. This Now for a quick break, well, we're going to be back with the second quarter. So welcome back to the second quarter, which of the games for the more veteran NBA fans, where we get more into the weeds and look to the more matchup, focus, and intriguing player slash team game. We're going to start with game number one, which is the Boston Celtics at the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday, December 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So why this game? It's actually similar to the last one where the Pacers have been pretty strong as of late and have maintained their playoff spot sitting at a record of 14-8 and with his 6th Eastern Conference and are another team that I have just been neglecting so far, even though they played pretty well. And their success is especially impressive with the injuries to Brogdon, who was missing a few games, and then actually missing Oladipo all season. The Brogdon injury recently has really hurt them and makes their wins that much more impressive because he is actually the Oladipo replacement that they brought in. On the other side of the matchup, the Celtics are actually a very good team and are definitely favorites to win this game, but actually, but they don't have that one shutdown superstar that can demolish bad teams, so they have a lot more competitive games against mediocre teams, in this case, the Pacers. So starting with the Pacers fundamentals, as I said before, they're 14 and 8, 6th in the Eastern Conference. They are their 13th in offense, 9th in defense, which leads them to have the 10th overall net rating. Now the most consistent star for the Pacers this season is Malcolm Brogdon. The new addition is posting a career high in points with 18.9 per game, which is great for a player in his first season as the primary option where before he was playing on the Milwaukee Bucks, acting as the second or third star for Giannis and Chris Middleton. Now, Brogdon's career points per game is mostly propped up, but from a career high in three-point attempts and two-point attempts and free throw attempts. And despite these career highs, he's actually only posting a career best percentage in free throws but it's extremely hard to shoot more shots and get more consistent only a few players in NBA history have really ever done that now beyond the great guard play on the Pacers the next star we're going to talk about is DeMontis Sabonis now this offseason the forward got uh, an extension to stay on the Pacers and what's weird about it is a lot of analysis heading into this season said that the Pacers should actually trade Sabonis instead of extending him because they already have a center slash power forward in Miles Turner turns out that would have been a complete wrong decision because he is killing him this season and outperforming him in every traditional stat beyond being second on the team in points just behind Brogdon with 18.4 he's leading the team in rebounds with 13 so posting almost a 2010 average and if we move past the traditional stats we're going to see that he's definitely accepted a larger role in his career with the highest use that he's ever had with 24 percent and having it pay off with another career high in plus minus with plus six so this duo has really showed out for the pacers especially in the recent stretch against a lot of good teams so these two stars have really helped the Pacers keep afloat this season, especially in their games against very high-end playoff teams. Now moving on to the Celtics. Since last week, they have continued their winning ways, sitting second in the Eastern Conference at 16-5, and very close between them, the Heat, and the Raptors for that second-place spot. They have dropped offensively to being ninth in defense from being first overall early in the season, which 
a lot of people knew was not going to be sustainable, but still being in the top 10 is very good. But they are a very respectable fourth in defense, leading their overall net rating to be fourth, which is above the Raptors and only behind the Lakers, Mavericks, and Bucks. Now, there's no real star candidates for the Celtics to kind of explain uh, why they've played so well. So they just actually just play really solid basketball with the offense being shared very well between Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, their main guards, posting usage rates of 28.2, 27.8, and 23.5, respectively. What's really weird about the split there is Jason Tatum, who's actually thought of being a very solid offensive player, actually has a negative OBPM, which is offensive box plus minus. What that means is it's basically what they can, what each player contributes on the offensive end per 100 possession. And what's compensated for him offensively this season is Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward before Gordon actually went out, being very positive offensive players by this statistic. And now if we dive right into the matchup-specific things, both teams are highlighted by their guard and forward play. Just like we talked about, it'll probably be the Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown against the Malcolm Brogdon, Aaron Holiday backcourt. And then in the forward position, you're going to look at Demontis Sabonis against Jason Tatum or uh, Daniel Tice. Because both team centers are actually pretty lackluster between the two so it's definitely going to be really going to look towards the point guard shooting guard like ball handler lineups and then just like i said before the forward battle between Sabonis, tatum daniel tice with hopefully a more rebound kind of performance from miles turner who if he can actually play at the all-star level that he's been these past few seasons this team can actually reach a much higher potential once oladipo comes back so this is a solid game that you guys don't want to miss, especially in this cramped Eastern Conference playoff picture. And it's going down on Wednesday, December 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And with that, we're going to move on to game number two, which is the Miami Heat at the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, December 14th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard. So why did I pick this game? So like the first two, is actually centered around another team I've been neglecting, adding two the NBA games of the week suggestions. And after watching a few of their recent games and viewing their success as they become kind of a for sure playoff team and breaking into that top three, I believe their matchup will be very competitive against the Dallas Mavericks. And with both these having a lot of questions, specifically if they can break into the top tier playoff conversation, it'd be really interesting to watch both of these teams kind of square off in that way. If we dive into the Dallas Mavericks, who are sitting at second in the Western Conference after winning five in a row as the time of recording. And they're sitting at 16 and six with being number one in offense and 13 in defense, leading to a second overall net rating. Now, the Mavericks are a team that I've done a deep dive on on multiple weeks. So I'm going to give you kind of the spark notes version. The big thing right here is Luka Doncic is a monster who's averaged a triple-double over November and is leading the Mavericks, along with their disgusting bench, to a prime playoff team. He is the main contributor for them being number one in offense, sporting the third highest points per game total with 30.3, along with 10.1 rebounds and 9.2 assists, and is second in PER with 31.94, which is disgusting. And as a on the other side, at the power forward center position, uh, they have Kristaps Porzingis. It's his first year on the team after coming back from a pretty gruesome leg injury, and he's kind of been struggling this year on the offensive end, putting up career loan numbers percentage-wise. But teams still do respect his shot, so he impacts the game just in the attention he draws, which is invaluable to this team, especially for how much driving and points in the paint 
that the Mavericks rely on. Now, beyond that, he's actually taken over the role of being everywhere off the ball. So he has such a major impact on the game beyond just being the spot up seven foot two shooter that he is. And how we kind of can talk about this, he's putting up career high numbers in rebounding with 9.4, assists with 1.5 and blocks with 2.2. So he's become a monster in the paint making sure the other team does not get offensive rebounds. And when they do finally get a shot in the paint, he's blocking 2.2 of those a game. Now we're going to move on to the Miami Heat, who, what I said before, I'm neglecting, so I'll go a little deeper into them. Their fundamentals are, they're sitting at third in the Eastern Conference. But what I said, they're only a half game behind the Celtics for second overall. So they've been doing very, very well, winning seven of their last 10 games. And they've done this by being 12th overall in offense and a strong eighth in defense while sporting a net rating of 7th overall. Now, if we're going with a star player, Jimmy Butler has been the obvious star for the Heat when he's been healthy. In his 18 games this season, he's scoring over 20 points a game on 44% shooting and 33% from three, which are all in line with his. The biggest change for him being on Miami is his distribution as the main star, sporting a career-best 6.8 assists a game with the rest of his traditional stats being in line with his prime Chicago years. He's actually coming into December very strong, sporting two full triple-doubles in wins against the Wizards and Raptors, the Raptors being much more impressive because they're a better team, and actually going into OT. If we go beyond the Jimmy Butler performances, other players on the Heat that are playing well is beyond the obvious is Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow, who if you get a chance, you can watch some of their highlights as very strong, respectable role players with the flashes of extreme star talent. But the one I want to talk about more is the surprise rookie out of Oakland, Kendrick Nunn. The 24-year-old coming into this season was one of those players on Miami where a lot of analysts thought he'd have to fight all season to keep his roster spot safe. Thinking he'd have multiple trips down to the G League in terms of development and proving that he's worthy to actually be on the roster at all. But right off the bat, he showed out extremely well when Jimmy Butler was out early on this season and has cemented himself as a starter for the Heat, starting every single game he's played in this Nunn is averaging 15.2 points per game on a PR of 12.88. And these stats aren't that outstanding, but for a rookie who didn't even know he was going to play this season regularly, it's very, very good. And if you see how he got his roster spot cemented, if you look at his October performance when Jimmy Butler was out, his stats get much more impressive, scoring 22.4 points per game on 52% shooting and 48% from three, along with a couple rebounds and assists and a whole 1.8 steals per game. He's really slowed down as of late if you see the big drop off of his stats, but it's really because he has not been really needed on the offensive end with Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, and I'm saying Justice Winslow showing out and their distribution to centers, center slash power for Bam Adebayo. But this man is a darling for the eye test kind of player where you see his off-ball impact, his intangibles, and his defense being unreal and clear factors that contribute to Miami's success. Now, the big matchup details I really want to see in this game are the Butler versus Doncic minutes, and that's the big rivalry I want to see because it's really the grown superstar in Jimmy Butler going against right out-of-the-box talent in Luka Doncic. And as they're both very strong ISO players with high-distribution talent, it's just going to be interesting to watch them go back and forth with each other. And beyond that, if you go behind the bench to the coaches, both coaches being Miami having Eric Spolstra, and the Mavericks having Rick Carlisle. They're both known for having great strategic planning and systems for their role players to play super well. 
And you're going to see that both teams have really benefited from having strong benches this season. So it's going to be interesting that you see the competitive advantage of both teams basically negating each other. So it could come down to who's coaching the best game having the best out-of-bounds plays, end-of-game lineups, and smart defensive scheme could definitely decide this game. Now, once again, if you want to see these top-end playoff teams going head-to-head, it's going to go down on Saturday, December 14th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time down in Dallas, Texas. Now, we're going to take another quick break, or we're going to be back with the third quarter. Welcome back to the third quarter, listeners. Which of the games are the crazier NBA fans who are more interested in the granular details of the NBA and would suffer through some bad garbage time just to see that two-way contract at the end of the bench get some minutes? We're starting off with the first game of this quarter, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Phoenix Suns on Monday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, why I chose this game, it's actually pretty similar logic to the reason I chose last week's game, which was the Wolves playing the Mavericks, and that one worked out pretty well. So I'm going to use the same motivation to pick these two teams, which is two up-and-coming teams with intriguing talents and unproven rosters squaring off to make it to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. And I know the Timberwolves made it to the playoffs a few seasons ago, but that was bolstered by Jimmy Butler. And now this young core they have now has not made it to the playoffs. But starting with the home team, I'm just going to dive right in where the Suns have very much come back down to earth, becoming the seventh team in the Western Conference with 10 and 11, winning only three of their last 10 games and dropping down to the league's sixth best offense and a pretty disappointing 20th best defense leading to an overall net rating of being 12th in the league. So what I highlighted before, having the Suns only win three of their last 10 games, the big reason I believe for this is Aaron Baines being out because he is basically the alpha and omega to their success. Although Devin Booker is definitely the main star for this team, having a floor spacing, defense anchoring, and stability providing center to the young roster is very, very important. Plus, he gives Ricky Rubio an efficient player to pair with, especially in the pick and roll. But just jumping past all these players and going right to Devin Booker, his three-point percentage has come back down to earth, where now he's posting a 50-40-90 season, which is still a career best, instead of having a 50-50-90, which have basically been unprecedented with the volume of his shots. And in in his recent game logs, he scored an incredibly efficient 44 points against the Pelicans on Thursday and is averaging 24 for the season with five other 30 or more point games and another 40 point game this season. His defense is still a negative, sporting an ODPM of negative 2.3, but that is actually still a career best for him. So if he kind of stays in that line, at least he can prove that he's actually improving on the season and not staying to his regular defensive liability self. Now, we're going to jump to the other side of the matchup, which is the Wolves. And just like the Mavericks, I did a really good deep dive into them into them last week. So here's kind of the Sparks Notes version. Towns is an absolute monster. He's shooting at a ridiculous amount of three-point shots for a seven-footer and is scoring them at a stupid efficient rate, where he's sporting a player efficiency rating of 28.71, which is fifth in the league. And being that efficient as a center is not that outlandish, but being that efficient as a center whose primary offense is shooting three-point shots is absolutely ridiculous. Now, his defense is still not that 
great, but he's becoming actually pretty passable. So his career best DPM is 2.2, and he's achieving that this season and passing the eye test for not looking lost or disinterested on the end of the court. Now we roll to his young court partner in crime in Andrew Wiggins, and he has definitely been reinvigorated by the new coach and system with the Wolves. And he's starting to grow into the player we've all wanted to be, long, efficient, creation-oriented, defensively aggressive, and a complement to Carl Anthony Towns. Now, if we dive into their performance last week against the Mavericks, which I think is a pretty good buffer high end potential for this season, Towns was a career high plus 14 with 30 points, which is a game high on 21 shots and got to the line for five. He was really looking to shoot it in the paint throughout the game, and he was able to break through the double teams and score with efficiency. He actually shot three three-point shots in the game scoring one. On the other side, Wiggins was actually pretty trash in the game, being the only negative player on the starting lineup and scoring an inefficient 17. But you kind of have to live with these type of games if you're going to have a rehabbing star who, who, if he ends up completely rehabilitating himself, can be one of those generational talents. Now, if we're moving to the Wolves' last performance when they played the Suns early in the season, it was actually very similar to the Mavericks game. It was very close. Game down came down to the wire. Well, the Wolves starters played very well, destroying the Suns starters, but having their bench be terrible or every single Suns bench player was in the positive. Usually you see when a team wins a game, most of their players' bench and starters are all in the positive. So it's very interesting to see a losing team have all their starters being positive and seeing the exact weakness in them being the bench. Now, if we go to the player specific, Towns again scored a team high 21. Booker ended, actually ended up having the game high, but shot a ridiculous 12 three point shots with six of them. Wiggins again had an inefficient 21 points and no real other stats, so it was a pretty negative game for him and a pretty regular Wiggins game. The ones we want him to get away from for him to become a plus player. So if we're going to get to the matchup details about this, it's going to be a very strange game because we basically have a point guard versus a center for who's the focal stars at each team. The weirdest part about it is usually you would have a center playing in, getting easy buckets on the paint, and the point guard doing the more pick-and-roll, three-point open shot offense. But the strangest thing is that both are looking to shoot off-ball three-point shots and step back threes and only getting to the paint for floaters or bully ball against mismatches. So if you want to see another great matchup with two young cores trying to prove that they are worthy of getting back into the playoffs for their franchises, come on down on Monday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're just going down in Phoenix, Arizona. So now we're going to take a quick break. Well, we're going to be back with the fourth quarter. Welcome back, listeners, to the fourth quarter, where we're going to detail the two can't-miss games for this week of NBA action. Thanks for sticking with me throughout this episode, and I hope these two games will make it worth it. We're going to start with the Wolves playing at the Suns on Monday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, we just talked about this game in the last quarter, so if you want a full recap, go there. But just to give you kind of the summary, these are two young cores trying to prove themselves in being low-end playoff teams. And every time teams like this go against each other, it's very impactful in terms of playoff pitcher, even though we're only a quarter through the season. Now, beyond the playoff implications, it's just really fun to watch these two teams go at it, specifically with the high-end young talent that they both have. Having Devin Booker 
being a f- extremely efficient guard coming into a season where he's almost changed his view as a plus offensive player and not just one of those empty stats guys. Where on the other side, you have Carl Anthony Towns taking another step forward, being a credible defensive player, and just exploding on the offensive side, completely diversifying his game from being the most unstoppable post player to now being one of the most, most unstoppable three-point shooters we've ever seen at the center position. So once again, that game goes down on Monday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this will lead us into our second game, which you probably all guessed is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers at the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday, December 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, this game is intriguing on so many fronts, the big one being the media-focused part of Kawhi Leonard's first trip back to the Raptors. We just came off winning the first championship in that franchise's history. Basically putting an entire country on his back and and completing one of the greatest stories the NBA has ever seen. But if we move past just the uh, media-focused part of this, we can go to the matchup perspective, where the Raptors have been a very competitive team without having that high-end star talent. The Raptors have done this year after year, but this one is one of the first where they didn't have that go-to star either in DeMar DeRozan or last year Kawhi Leonard, where they've they've done it again with a homegrown talent in Pascal Siakam, where if you want to hear a more detailed breakdown of him, go back to quarter number one. And I'd love to see how he's going to face off against Kawhi Leonard and if he can actually get the better of him and if the emotions of the crowd will be able to empower this Raptors offense, which is extremely fluid and decentralized, to kind of hammer home that they are a competitive team and they to maybe even show Kawhi what he's missing in, in leaving this franchise. So again, this game is going down on Wednesday, December 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's one you do not want to miss. So that's it for this week, listeners. I'm going to catch you next week to recap what happened in the previous week of NBA action and then to preview the next seven days of the 2019-20 season. This has been week eight of NBA Games of the Week. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcast at the same name, NBA Games of the Week. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at NBAGOTW to stay up to date with the podcast and never miss an episode. And don't worry if you forget, links to all these places will be in the description of this episode. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all next Monday.